dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning 100 games 100 the big one double bagel double bagel yeah i get well i guess it's got to be something positive right because goose egg is like a bad zero yeah yeah, that that yeah, you don't you don't want big giant goose egg, and I, I thought like donuts, but I'm trying to eat healthier. Uh, you know, that's fair. Maybe, maybe maybe a one double bagel, get some schmear. You know, like <laughs> not too much though. It's not healthy. No, no, it's not. It's not good for you. You know, and and, and that's the thing is, it's got to be. It, it can't be like part of a balanced breakfast because you don't want to down like 700 calories before you even like walk out of the thing. Or, you know, like, like just suddenly like eat a whole bunch before you do 100 episodes. No, you got to stay lean. You got to stay hungry. You know, that's how we got through 100. You know, we wanted it. Yeah. We, and we needed money from supporters to buy food. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so hungry. <laughs> so th- this is very on brand that we're, we're starting uh, just totally off theme uh, to thank people <laughs> for what we did. What did we do? Not what game did we play? What did we accomplish? What are we celebrating? 100 games. So that means that we've now been doing this for approximately 2.5 years. Pretty good. 2.7. Yeah, something 2. like 7, that. 2.7, 2.73. Yeah. 4. You're not going to check. I'm not. <laughs> Someone listening might. I'm not going to. No, but if they if they do, they should go and check and they should leave it as a comment, which brings us to the fact that we've been talking about this for a while. It's like when did we want to, you know, really publicly and loudly like thank people for uh, Apple podcast reviews, comments left on Twitter, um, comments left on Patreon, uh, people who come into the Twitch stream and talk. And I thought like now's probably as good a time as any to do that. Right. Because, uh, you know, you and I are first and foremost, sorry listeners, but like we're here for each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, we really love doing this. Um, you have a family and a stressful job. I have a family and a stressful job, but like we make time to do this every other week. And then, you know, we get to share it with people and, I'm really thankful people like give a single crap about that. (laughs) It's really amazing to me every time I look and I'm like, Oh, people listen. Uh, Some of them come and talk to us. Some of them give us money. Like it's really um, like humbling. I think like that Mm -hmm. this thing we do just kind of because we, you and I really enjoy it that other people are like, I also too really enjoy this. And so uh, going through some Apple podcast reviews, uh, which you should go leave if you haven't ever done that. Um, you know, some Twitter comments, some uh, comments that we've gotten on Patreon and on Twitch. Like, I thought we should share some some that we really like from that list. So we're not going to count these down. They're not in any particular order. Uh, but I wanted to start with this one because uh, this is not going to all just be glowing praise. Uh, so somebody left this uh, after we did the Mortal Kombat 2. I knew you were going to do the Mortal Kombat 1. When you said it wasn't glowing <laughs> praise, I'm like, it's got to be the Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> because it's so funny. So this is their entire comment. This is a hundred percent of what this person wrote. Uh, the game is much more fun on the arcade machine. Don't fart on it. If you haven't played the real version, otherwise it's a great podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I like, I genuinely appreciate that feedback because not only, uh, is that a totally true comment, 
uh, someone I know who listens like really intermittently and he just jumps around and like finds different games. Uh, he just texted me literally yesterday and was like, wow, the experience of Mortal Kombat on a console is really different than it is on the arcade <laughs> machine, which is how I played it. And I was like, God damn it, this is going to haunt us forever. Yeah, no, it's 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 going to just, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, no, I like it too, because it, it, it <laughs> the person wanted to say, you know, hey, just so you know, you were wrong about this. Yeah, it, otherwise, it's pretty good. It's fine. Um, so, I mean, again, good, good, honest review. Um, one of the ones that I, I particularly like is uh, uh, they're recommending what, what episode to start with. And they say, start with Dr. Mario, because everything you need to know about project management, you learn in Dr. Mario, which I really appreciate because um, that, that was one of those, like, I, I think maybe maybe once every six episodes or maybe every 10 episodes, I have like this like weird in my mind, like this, this weird kind of like seeing through the looking glass of like, Oh, (laughs) this is what this really is. Like in the Jekyll and Hyde episode where I realized that the Jekyll and Hyde was like the potion, you know, or in, in uh, Dr. Mario where I had this realization of like, this is basically what I do for a living. Or for example, in civilization six, where I realized the reason why I like to come home and play civilization six on easy mode is because that's what I do for a living i just get to win every time this time you know like like so so i was really always very proud of that and i was like if i ever have to hold this up as a professional thing that i do i'm going to point them to that episode so the fact that somebody else saw that and thought that uh thought the same thing that that makes me happy i like it yeah and i do uh really appreciate the the craziest tangents we go on that we then solidly tie back because it makes us look like geniuses right it's all it's all nonsense we're making up on the fly way shocking you, everybody thinks we joke about like oh yeah we don't really do research it's just ha no really like we play the game as is we each mm-hmm. have notes that we don't see each other's notes right so i don't know what you're going to talk about you don't know what i'm going to talk about and then a miracle happens and a, pod- <laughs> <laughs> and a podcast is born like it's yep uh, so when when something that well thought out and coherent falls out of that seemingly random process (laughs) it's it's just uh, you you love to see it yeah absolutely absolutely um then my other my other big favorite one is uh just the um it's a fairly long one first of all the guy uh the title of the comment is brock strongo which is (laughs) i mean that's a deep cut man you know like that's that's a reference that we made forever ago right but he goes uh you know it's it's very very amazing praise where he says george and lines are two awesome dudes love listening to you guys lines is awesome and at the very end of it he goes wait a minute his name is lions i've been calling him lines this whole time why didn't anyone tell me oh my god i've been making an idiot of myself which is just an amazing simpsons quote and i think about that probably once a month about about 10 times a year I think about that quote and now by extension, this review, which makes me very happy. Yeah. It's uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. Right. So like that, that Simpsons reference is now a little bit stronger because yeah. you also have the, the podcast link there. Um, I am going to read a few that are just flat out glowing praise just cause like the, these really genuinely make me feel good. Like we always say, you know, like, Oh yeah, you know, we love to hear from people, but like that's, 
that's true, right? Like, oh yeah, we we pay for this out of our own pockets. Like, we don't we're not turning a profit off of this. Like, so hearing from people that they are getting enjoyment out of it, like it, it really does feel good. So, uh, here's here's a quote from one of them: "This truly is the best podcast I've ever listened to." Which I don't know if we're the only podcast that person's ever listened to. Frankly, I don't care if it's if yeah. we're if we're number one in a one horse race. I just it's just a really nice thing to say. Um, this one is, uh, this, this came in recently and it gives me a chuckle just looking at it in my notes. Hands down, one of my favorite podcasts. You guys are really amazing at talking about this stuff with some of the most insightful, thoughtful, deep in the weeds takes on video games I hear or read anywhere. I've never really considered things like cycle times or sound as UI. So thanks for doing what y'all do, even if you kind of ruined games for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Um, it's kind of like improper kerning, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like when someone points it out to you, you're like, "Oh, thanks, dipshit." You know? <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, I, I I'm not sure I needed that in my life, and it is definitely one of those things where once you start to break apart games, and and as people listen to you, as they can do it as well, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, "Oh, yeah, that's why I don't like this game." Darn it. I probably could have liked this game if not for knowing that this is a problem, you know? Um, one more uh, of these reviews that I wanted to specifically call out. Do you have, do you have any other thanks or praise you want to give? Yeah, again, they're, they're, they're all nice for me. It's, it's, I, I really do enjoy feedback kind of in general, you know, um, just because when somebody, you know, even at work, when I'm like, Hey, how am I doing? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? What could I be doing better? So, uh, you know, occasionally getting to log on and seeing just kind of a that, that somebody who a listens to us, as you said, just the fact that people are listening at all is nothing short of you know like this amazing, you know, miracle esque thing that that I really appreciate. That somebody took you know five minutes out of their day to be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a comment for you. It's it's like reading. Um, it it hits the same thing emotionally for me as uh, reading uh, notes in a yearbook. You know, mm, like if that's an excellent comparison. <laughs> so you know every every so often when i get to open up this yearbook and be like oh, there's a new note in here it's it's uh it's really a great feeling so so i'm i have no, none other i specifically want to call out except for all of them i love them all so th- this this is actually a really long review that this person uh painstakingly left uh but i, I just want to read the the end part of their review which is uh, whether they're tearing apart a slapdash Game Boy game or rightfully praising a SNES classic, they're always funny, insightful, and enthusiastic. I hope more people discover them. They are podcast treasure. They hold up. And you might have even heard me like get a little choked up. Like the question we ask at the end of every episode, if you're new here and wondering why the hell we're doing this, is <laughs> does does this game hold up? Right? Like on the replay, did the game hold up? And so to have somebody like use my own words against me like it's just uh man like it cuts deep but it's like it's like a cupid arrow not like a knife wound absolutely but you know we you you know we're all scientists here so you know we should actually test that you know to see if we hold up i i i'm i see where you're going with this In any time I can use on air time to like forward the agenda of things we've talked about off the air, like it's it's so inappropriate and delightful. You know, it's it's like it's it's like having a, an argument with your spouse and then bringing the child into the room so that you can like, <laughs> you know, to be like, I'd love to bring a dog home. Like I want a dog. Well, I don't want a dog. Hang on, let's bring Timmy into the room. Timmy, 
I'm just saying I want a dog, but Mama doesn't want a dog. I'm just throwing it out there. So anyways, that's... that's, uh, I I want a dog, and Mama recently said, and I'm paraphrasing here, she doesn't want you to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was was the bottom line. I forgot kind of where... what the middle ground was on that, but yeah. Um, But I, I am... So I, you know, we've, we've, we've rambled on now, but I do... I want to genuinely thank... Uh, every every listener, everybody who leaves a review, everybody who talks to us on Twitter, you even joined Twitter so you could see the praise firsthand because mm-hmm. um, you weren't there in the start. Um, everyone who supports us on Patreon, um, everybody who comes and watches me play games on Twitch and and conversations we've I've gotten to have with people, um, people who've shed light on stuff I then talked about on the show, like I came up with it on my own. Like I I really appreciate every single person. So what I'm looking forward to the most is the next hundred games where I get to say, Hey George. Hey Lions. How's it going? It's going good. It's been a week of, um, let's not talk about what's going on this week because these are evergreen episodes and we never have to think about what's happening this first week in November ever again. Yep. First week in November, 2020, nothing, uh, nothing too, too big going on. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, the nice thing is we can now go back and listen to this episode at a different point in time. And, uh, and just and just close our eyes and and think about a time <laughs> think about a time when missiles were screaming towards population centers and uh <laughs> and how much nicer that is <laughs> yay um <laughs> so what what did we play we played ender's game no wait missile command <laughs> close enough um it's actually closer than you think but we'll get to that uh so we played missile command for the Atari 2600, which yes. I'm pretty confident that as of recording, this is our first Atari game. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've played other arcade ports, and this is no question an arcade port, but this is the first one I think we played for the Atari. Yes. Eventually, we'll have to play E.T. <laughs> I mean, as game reviewers, uh, it's incumbent upon us to do so, but that today is not that day. It is not that day. Um, so this game hit the Atari 2600 in 1981. Um, there's actually a really weird, significant difference between the arcade version and the home version, uh, which is the home version in the manual. There's like an explanation, right? So you just walk up to the <laughs> arcade cabinet and there's just, you know, missiles painted on the side of the cabinet. Uh, but then in the manual for the the Atari 2600 version, you are like the Flargans and you're being invaded by the anti-flargans right so it's like it's not humans versus other humans or aliens versus humans it's aliens versus other aliens which i think is actually a pretty smart decision because they were like uh let's not let's not make this about us invading alien planets or alien invading earth like let's just totally separate that out which or not make it about the cold war well yeah right i mean it's (laughs) this is cold war simulator basically but it's uh I think it was actually pretty clever of them to say, like, if we're going to put some window dressing on this, let's just remove humans from the equation entirely. Which is is a wise decision, because, you know, like you said, as it becomes it it, to me, that kind of and we'll get into it as we get into the game. But that still somewhat preserves the overall uh, theme of the game, you know, because if it was aliens versus humans or humans versus aliens, that would really push the idea of the other 
Whereas if it's aliens versus aliens or humans versus humans, which is my understanding what the original designer <laughs> intended, um, that really kind of drives home the uh, the idea of like of uh, 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 the theme of the game, you know. Um, but uh, yes, so uh, yeah, game game is 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 really old. Uh, I think this would be the oldest game we played. No, we played one from like the seventies. We which yeah, one was that? I. Uh... It might have been the version of Oregon Trail we played. Yeah, actually, I think the so. version of Oregon Trail we played was probably not the one from the seventies, but I think the original Oregon Trail goes back to like seventy nine or seventy eight. Yeah, but this is definitely in the top five oldest games we played for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and it technically, again, like we played the Atari version, the arcade version is older than that, right? So, like, th- this is still one of the oldest ver- Like, no matter how you're me- choosing to measure this, game's old. It's old. Yeah. You surely have a nostalgia experience for this. Oh, I do have a nostalgia experience for this. Actually, um, so I, I definitely played this in an arcade cabinet a couple of times. Um, I don't really remember that very well. Uh, what I do remember is um, seeing a bunch of different reviews of this game about five years ago uh, where they were kind of like talking about, you know, what makes Miss- Missile Command significant as a game. And so then, then about five years ago, I went back and replayed it, uh, you know, replayed it a bit. And I was like, ooh, no, this is this is a really good game. So that's why when you suggested what should we play for a hundredth, I was like, I want to play this game because I really want to sit down and pick it apart because it's uh it's just it's it's interesting. It's a really interesting game given what what they did with how little they had. Yeah. How little is not overstating it. <laughs> so for me, the thing that I actually remember most about this game is the arcade cabinet, because one of the few things I really like about arcades compared to home consoles or PC gaming, unless you're rich, which I'm not, is arcade cabinets often, especially at this time in history, they often had purpose-built controls, right? And like nowadays, there's, you know, a million stupid mobile phone games that they make into giant arcade games. And like that, it's just a touchscreen or there's just big push buttons. It's not really that interesting. But the arcade cabinet for Missile Command looks like the command console to launch missiles. It has this crazy rollerball that you control the cursor with. Uh, there's, you know, the, the, like these giant buttons to like mash on, uh, the HUD actually spills out onto the console. So like the city names that light up are actually on the console as well as on the screen. Like it's, you, you just, you don't get that with an Atari or a Nintendo or an Xbox. Like you just, the game lives inside the TV, which is fine. I'm perfectly happy with that. But for some reason, this arcade cabinet just stood out in my, I think it's the crazy rollerball, honestly, but like, yeah, th- this game just stands out in my mind and weirdly. And I didn't bother to check with my parents on this because I decided I just want to live the lie. Um, I think we may have actually had this game on an original Atari in my house when I was a kid. So hmm. we played the Atari 2600 version for the episode, which I have played before, but I think I literally actually played this in my home as a child. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's interesting. So yeah, now, now visuals. No, not yet. 
Mm. I'm just not going to let you have it. Um, mm. So, so despite the you know super, uh, yeah, I wasn't lead- sure if we were going. I wasn't sure if we were going to shill because you know, no, like, but, but here's why we have to shill, right? We have to shill because shilling is what you do. No, we have to. We have to shill because <laughs> I mean, um, because we have to shill the verb because you are a shill the noun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> English is fun. Um, no, because we we thanked people and I you know we can never thank them enough, but. Uh, one of the things that we changed uh, in celebration for the hundredth game uh, was we relaunched, relaunch, we like revamped uh, Patreon. And so there's uh, different things you can do now that get you like different rewards. Uh, there are stickers you can now get if you want to just buy them with money or if you want to be a Patreon of a certain support level. Um, but two of the support levels will get your name shouted out on an episode. and so. We now, as long as we have some people to thank, uh, we have to call out uh, our 16-bit hero, uh, Jacob. So thank you for being one of our 16-bit heroes. Thank you, Jacob. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. I mean, like I, I, I'm i just the talent. Um, Lions puts a lot of uh, time, energy, and effort into mixing all this sort of stuff. And I know that your support absolutely helps him. Uh, so that way you guys can hear my beautiful voice uh, and hear, hear all of my salient thoughts as lines as all the the, the tr- troll grunt work behind the scenes. It's true. I'm I'm basically just here as a foil for the audience. I mean, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> you are here for me to bounce good ideas off of, you know. And and to and to be fair, you do very nicely juxtapose my very salient ideas with your troglodytic ones. Yeah. Is that well, even I mean, a word. It, I mean, it, you said it. It must be. So it must be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now here now I will allow you to uh, graciously transition us into visuals. Okay, so what do you think of the audio on this game? It was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, if I'm, I'm going to screw this up, I'm just going to screw it up the whole episode. Uh, no, that's that's on brand. Um, <laughs> woo! So I actually wanted to. Th- there's a good transition in here. Um, I do want to really call out the arcade cabinet and the. Uh, the manual that came with this game because they they didn't they didn't know what they were doing at this time in history. Like they didn't have rules and norms, and a lot of this stuff was not. Uh, the, the, a lot of the things they ended up throwing against the wall didn't stick. Right. Uh, Correct. The, the missile command arcade cabinet. I feel like tells you before you even place your quarter in or get close enough to see someone else playing or to see the auto demo playing you kind of have an idea what you're getting into, right? Side of the cabinet has missiles shooting up into like space. It's very like seventies, eighties, sci-fi future. Um, when you get up to the console, the buttons all look like a missile launch. Like it's a cartoony simplified version, but it it looks like, Oh, I'm going to press these buttons and it's going to launch missiles, right? Like everything is really telling you what to expect before you're given a single instruction. Now you don't get any of that with the Atari, but they took all of that clarity of purpose and they kind of distilled it down into the manual and they don't really spend a ton of time on story, but the manual is very clear, like press these buttons to do this, press this button to do that, do, you know, jump over here, jump through these hoops, but it's like super clear and approachable, which a lot of game manuals in the early eighties were not, they were absolute tire fires (laughs) of confusion. So I, I just, I really appreciate that they took the time to like put beautiful, clear artwork and to have nice, clear instructions and like it's on brand, but it's not like campy and hammy, right? They're not like, you know, you are Lieutenant Schmargerblarger and you're fighting off the Flargans, right? It's it's just, 
it's enough window dressing to feel appropriate, but not so much that you're like, just tell me how to play the damn game, please. Right? And, <laughs> and I, I like, I like the idea that they had the foresight, right? They knew we need to communicate this to them somehow. Cause the game sure as hell isn't going to do it. Well, and actually to that point, I, I do think that the game's visuals are simplistic to the point where it does very, very much so communicate, you know, what the game's all about. You know, there is no, uh, what I've, what we've lovingly coined is the home alone effect in this game, right? You know, there, there's no foreground, there's no background, which again, like you said, I think that this is, this is kind of like the primordial soup time of games where, you know, just like you said, there's so, so many, this is pre Cambrian extinction where, where life was like, I, I can make stuff. Look at, look at what I can do with this DNA. Look at all the stuff I can do with this DNA. And then all of a sudden the earth said, we need to get rid of like 95% of this probably. Yeah. And most that, of these ideas are bad. So, so the Cambrian extinction is ET the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, was, you're kind of right. <laughs> yeah. That was the Cambrian extinction event where it's like, okay, 95% of this has got to go. And then they were like, okay, but we still got some, some life remained. And, and now this is what we're going to do with that. Yeah. Oh, um, you, know, you know what it is, is uh, ET is like the, you know, the six headed three stomached fish. And then super Mario brothers is like a mammal, like fur, you know, milk reproduces like a smaller number of young. They were like, okay, th- this let's make more things like this. Like going, <laughs> going forward, fewer weird fish, more mammals. Well, I was picturing was like, uh, this has gone way far, far field, but like, you know, <laughs> the, all the pregames were, you know, the, the, the cells before the, the one cell ate the mitochondria and could then build like all of this, like complex, more and more complex. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that's not the point. The point is <laughs> that this game doesn't suffer from a lot of the things that, you know, when you think back to old Atari games, all of the games you're thinking of probably look like this, honestly, because the ones that survived look like this. You know, what, what games do you think of? You think of Pong, you think of Breakout, you know, you think of games like that, which are basically, it's like there's the stuff you need to interact with and then a black background. And that's it. You know, whereas if you think of games like E.T., where it's like there's colors everywhere and sometimes you're moving in three dimensions and sometimes you're only moving in two dimensions or whatever, you know, what, whatever they did. So uh, the fact that that basically there's the stuff you need to do that is in color and then just black background, which means they don't have to render it. They don't have to spend any memory on it. It's just that's it. I think that that was absolutely the right choice and 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 definitely withstood the test of time of don't don't put stuff there that don't need to be there. Well, and and what they they do with color is they they start you out with like brown ground, black sky, right? And then the cities I think are blue at first and the missiles I believe are red at first. Um mm-hmm. and the the explosion like so when you shoot your anti-ballistic missile to interrupt the ballistic missiles that are incoming, uh it's like it, it flashes through several colors, but it's not like a rainbow filter. It's like four or five colors, not like all the colors that the Atari could possibly render. Right. But then as you go into later and later levels, the way they spice it up is they change the background. So then it gets blue and then it gets green and they change the color of the ground and they change the color of the cities. And what I realized playing through this is Oh, this is the look that modern indie games are trying to copy, right? And a lot of modern indie games do this incredibly well, but you think of a game like 
hyper light drifter, which is super over the top, like eighties colors or, um, uh, that like, there's like a psycho murder game. That's very grand theft auto esque hotline Miami. Um, super crazy eighties colors because it's supposed to take place in the super crazy eighties. But this game, this isn't imitating the eighties. This is the eighties, right? So they, (laughs) they're authentically group of people that doesn't need to watch star Wars. That's the people in star Wars because they lived them. They lived the star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, that So, (laughs) so like they're, they're authentically employing the things that we now nostalgically think back on fondly from the, cause there was a lot of garbage stuff in the eighties, just like there was a lot of garbage stuff in every decade, but the, the use of color, even the color combinations that when I try to describe them sound horrible, like, Oh, a green background and blue ground with flashing red missiles. Like that just sounds awful, but the shades that they chose, uh, the, the way the flashing happens, the way the, like how clear the lines are. Cause they, it's not like they could do smooth gradients, right? So there's like really clear barriers between bl- sock solid blocky colors. Like it's, I, I, I honestly, I think it looked great. Like the resolution on yeah. everything is terrible, but you are never, ever confused. Those are my cities. These are the bad guy missiles. These are the good guy anti-ballistic missiles. This is the little mushroom cloud explosion. Like when a city gets hit, like Everything is so rudimentary, but the use of color really makes it kind of like pop and come alive in a way that, like I said, I think modern indie games often struggle to in, uh, to to copy because it like it had such a distinct look, and it's like at the time they were very much restricted by the hardware, and now the problem is they're not restricted by the hardware. So they're like, Oh, well, well, what if I use this shade of pink or what about that shade of pink? And then, you know, back in the Atari 2600 days, it's like, we have, uh, we have pink. We can't, yeah. we don't have a hundred pinks to choose from. So if you want to use pink, I got one for you. Yeah. Here, here is pink. Well, and also too, I think that, you know, I, as we said, with the simplicity of the visuals, it would have been so easy to say like, well, it's, it's a black background, right? Because this is happening at night. Right. So, you know, you see at night, you see stars, you need stars in there, right? Could you imagine what that would have looked like? You know, I mean, it would have just been, it would have been horrendous, right? And I think that this is back during a game where, again, it was the primordial soup, but when evolution was, wasn't making things purely for competitive reasons, it was just making stuff for funsies, right? I mean, that's not how any of that works, but, yeah, no, but I mean, a lot, <laughs> a lot of games now are like, well, we have to have this feature or this thing because in order to be competitive, we have to have it, right? You know, you have to have footprints in the ground because all the games have footprints in the ground. If we don't put footprints in the ground, then it won't seem real. You know, it, it, so um, so the fact that this game, the games of this era weren't beholden to that. They were just, you know, a lot of times like a programmer, two programmers that were like, yeah, you know, let's uh, let's make this game. And then they they made it. They weren't beholden to like an executive committee that needed to turn a profit. You know, they were just making games. I think, led to a cleaner series of decisions that were made in service of gameplay. Um, the, so it's it's interesting because now when games go astray, it's more so that a game may lose track of what it's trying to do. Here it went astray because they didn't know any better. Now it's like games <laughs> know better. It's just people who don't know games make bad decisions, you know, because they're involved because there's so much money involved with it. This was more like, I'm making a bad decision because I don't know what a good one is. Um so with that in mind, one of the things where, you know, so obviously the, their, their capacity, what they had room for is, is incredibly small. 
everything that they animate is uh, purposeful. Um, did you notice the animation when the city explodes? That's a mushroom crowd. Yeah, but that's that's a very distinct choice. It's oh, not yes. like the city, it's not like the city just blows up, right? It's not like it just like disappears as a mushroom cloud because it's a nuclear weapon, you know. And so the fact that even even though they changed this game to not be humans versus humans, it's Flargogars versus Flargo versus it's it's Glars versus Gleers, right? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that it's 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 interesting and very salient that they kept that because I think that again speaks to the theming of the game is that this is very much so um, that is a, a that is a nuclear bomb that is coming to wipe out a city and it's your job to stop it um, and and it's in, and we can get into this mechanics but because you're in an entirely defensive role there's no you know like okay well I'm going to go out now I'm going to fire a missile or anything like that it's like nope your job is to literally protect these cities because if you don't in this one and they're, they're, the entire screen flashes in this one flash of light that entire city is going to get wiped out and then stays wiped out so um I thought that it was cool that they kept that that cements that you're the good guys right you're not attacking someone you're defending your cities mhm yeah yeah you you are purely on the defensive but if you think about it right like it's very rare, I believe, and from just from thinking about it in this day and age, that a game puts you entirely on the defensive. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not something I mean, you'd really think about. Even, even in like Pac-Man and Pong and Breakout, like other super early games, you usually have a way you either go on the offensive or the whole game is about you being on the offensive. Right. I mean, like even in Mario, I mean, there's memes made up about the fact that, you know, there was just this, this, this typical Koopa kingdom and this horrible person came in murder rampaging everywhere, you know, but yeah, it is, it is most of the time in most video games, you are on the offensive, even in civilization or, or civilization like games, the four X games, what do those X's stand for? Uh, it's explore, expand, extract and extinguish. Extinguish or exterminate, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it is exterminate, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it. Sweet. But either <laughs> way, it's that it's that last X that is the most telling, right? So even if you're like, oh, I'm gonna play a peaceful science game, it's like, yeah, but the game's kind of made for you to spread out and kill everything, right? So, uh, so, anyways, all that being said, is that I think that again to to tie it back to visuals, is that they kept the visuals that are needed to drive home the fact that of the severity of what it is that you're fighting which again puts a greater imperative of you being on the defensive. Um, and I, yeah. I think it's worth if, if, if you're listening to this somehow and you have never seen missile command for the Atari 2600 or in the, the arcade, cause they've remade this game a million times. Right. So like it's on mobile phones and it was on the friggin' GameCube, Like it's everywhere. So go and look at a screenshot. If you can't picture this game in your mind and try to imagine the fact that, all of what we're saying about like the gravity of the situation is being communicated by like a handful of dots, not even a lot of dots, like a few dots, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, but it it really does. Like it, like when you're playing the pace of it and everything, like, you know, the missiles are coming down at you and you're trying to, you know, launch your anti-ballistic missiles up. Right. So that it, you've mentioned before with the camera, like, you know, if the camera's looking down, you feel powerful. If it's looking up, you feel weak because it's, you know, it's just our stupid monkey brains. Like this is that <laughs> right? Like you're down in the city on your planet and missiles are raining down on you. You feel 
like defenseless. Like you're like, Oh God, they're coming for us. Right. So it's, but it, it's like a handful of dots and some lines. <laughs> it's a very yeah. tiny little bit of that. They're actually working with to communicate this. And yet somehow they're still managing it. You know, it is, it's the Keanu Reeves effect, right? You know, he's is a that handful of dots and some lines. Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, no, is it the, the idea of, of like the reason why Keanu Reeves is successful in uh, franchises like the matrix is because he is so deadpan. It allows you to project yourself onto him, you know? So, uh, but the idea is that the absence of something allow gives you the space to project yourself into it. So, um, this is definitely on so hard on the one side of the uncanny Valley on the, 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 you know, before you get to creepy, <laughs> cre- creepy, uh, d- dead eyed, uh, what, what was that? <laughs> That Tom Hanks movie. Anyway, it's that one. Polar oh, Express. Uh, uh, crap. Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, Polar Express. This is uh, this is pre way pre Polar Express, right? But I mean, it does. It gives you that space to just kind of be like, no, this is this is serious, you know. Um, the one the one negative thing I have to say about the visuals is uh, that strobing effect is unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. I, not I mean, uh, I see why someone would find it unpleasant. I enjoyed it a lot. I yeah. felt I felt like it wasn't too fast, you know. It it wasn't super fast flashing, which does make me, you know, get kind of like. Ugh. Um, I like the color choices that they used for it. Um, I, I'm 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 actually pretty pro strobing effect <laughs> in this game. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I like I like the colors. I liked all that. I think that the thing that that always and and maybe this is this is me, you know, being. Uh, def- defending people that don't need defending, or you know, can obviously defend themselves. But I always worry, like when I see a strobing effect like that, that it's kind of like uh, there's a lot of different ways to accomplish what you're trying to do. A strobing effect is 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 a great way to 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 accidentally hurt somebody who has lep- epilepsy, or to suddenly find out that somebody has epilepsy. You know, like so. And and this is just of an era of games where that wasn't even on anyone's radar. You know, I mean, that wasn't even on the people's radar when. Pokemon came out, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, this is really popular and a lot of people are having seizures, you know? Um, we should have someone look into that. <laughs> we should have somebody look into that. Chad, look at this. You see now Chad's having a seizure. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Everyone I show this to can't tell me what their problem is. See? <laughs> uh, it's like it's like that. Oh man, this tastes really bad. You want to try it? No. So do, do, you, do you have anything else for visuals? Because you've actually set me up for an incredible transition. No, I'm good. Go for it. Rock on. So, uh, oh, we didn't talk about the HUD. We're not going to talk about the HUD. It's very simple and effective. So, yes. <laughs> you know how many missiles you have left. You know what your score is. Um, yep. Here's my amazing transition. Uh, so uh, when you lose, because, you know, it's an arcade cabinet style game, you lose eventually because the name of the game is get the high score. So when you lose, um, there's a sound effect that is supposed to be like the big one falling. It's like a and then a boom and then the screen flashes. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I was, I was playing this where somebody else could see me playing and they said, what, uh, what just happened? And I was like, Oh, I lost. And they were like, no, but like, what was that flashing? And I said that them bombing my planet, like we're, we're all, we're all dead now. And, yeah, and everybody died. You yeah. failed. And and that's when I realized that I was like, oh, you could play pretty much this entire game without the sound on. And that's neither here nor there. Right. But um, I like that 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 final 
you done screwed up thing is they used all the tools they had, which is the visuals and the audio to communicate what's happening. Because if it was just the flashing and you couldn't hear the audio, right. And there's, there's no accessibility for this, right. There's no subtitles or anything. If it was just the flashing, then you would be like, Oh, did the, did the game reset? But because they pair the entire screen flashing with the like, you know, cartoony, like kaboom kind of, you know, sound effect, it really drives home. Like, no, you, you died. Everyone died. They won. Right. Like it's because if it just said like, you know, oh, you lost or you're out of missiles or, you know, no cities remaining, like that would be sort of video gamey. But the fact that it, shows you dying and it makes the like this is the last sound you hear is the bomb falling on you know the last remaining stronghold of your civilization i was like this is surprisingly like poignant and emotional that it you don't just get like a the end screen well and that's the thing is that uh, and this is actually a little bit back on visuals um i, I didn't have it okay notes, we're, we're, we're transitioning it's okay so it's, it's, it's okay it's a big gray still, area yeah it's uh is it doesn't say game over. It says the end. Yeah. And that's, that's another very, again, distinct choice because I mean, you know, again, this is like, you are the missile commander. You are trying to defend your cities from uh, nuclear annihilation. So when you fail to do so and you lose, it is not the, it's not the game is over. This is the end, you know, like it is the end of everything, you know, because because you failed to defend your target. And again, you know, with, with a game that's so simplistic and had so little to work with, the fact that they made these very distinct choices, you know, um, is really fascinating. And actually, uh, you know, not to, to make it all about this, but it's all about this. Um, <laughs> is uh, So, I mean, the city vaporization sound, I thought for the limited tool, like sound palette that they had, was very well done. Because it's not, it, it's, it's kind of like a... <laughs> Like it sounds like something vaporizing, you yeah. know, um, and so it's not like this like big bombastic explosion. It's it's <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, uh, what was it, um, Christopher? Uh, what, what was his name? The uh, 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 Lord of the Rings, um, oh. Saruman. Yeah, yeah um, Christopher Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, where, where, when he's uh, you know like okay, I want you to get stabbed in the back, and then for you to go. Argh! Ah, that's not pe- what people who get stabbed in the back sound like. Oh, okay, Christopher Lee. Don't know what to do with that, you know. But that's the thing is, it's it's not like you know. Oh, we're gonna make this like kind of explosion, and he's like, yeah, it's like that's not what a city being vaporized by a nuclear weapon would sound like. It would sound like this, you know. And it's just kind of like, oh, right. Again, it's not. This isn't like. Oh, the B fifty ones are coming through, or the Florians are going with their spaceships and they're bombing you. It's like no, there is a uh, or or uh, you know, as Data once put it, it's, it's not all that. As Data so aptly put it in one episode of Star Trek, is where he said like, "They will bombard you from space. You will die having never seen the face of your enemy." You know, and so again, like it just like the, the city vaporizes and then and then it's gone. And the thing is that you still have to then just very quickly deal with the fact that you're like, okay, that's, that's over. I lost that city, but the, I can still save five of them. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a great middle point of being not understated, but not overstated either. I, when I heard that, I was like, that, 
I've got a lot of feelings about this one little noise. You know? In an era when everything is high-pitched beeps and boops and blurps, and because the, the sound card in the Atari 2600 sucked, right? This Hell, the sound card in an arcade <laughs> cabinet at this time in history sucked. Like, they just... They didn't have much to work with. And so being reserved about it and being like, yeah, we could make a big, it could, you know, the, the missile could hit and we could go like bleep bleep. So it's really obvious to the player like, oh, the bleep bleep means that you lost a city. And it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to make a city being vaporized noise because that's what's supposed to be happening. And there's going to be a city being vaporized visual because that's what's supposed to be happening. But then you have to, like get back to it, right? It, in yeah. war movies, when the grenade goes off and and the person has like tinnitus for a minute, and it's all the like sound, mm-hmm. like the gunfire doesn't stop. You just can't hear it for a second, and then it slowly fades back in, right? That you're the missile commander. Just because off in the distance you can see and hear a city being vaporized doesn't mean there aren't more missiles incoming. Like you got to deal right. with that. Yeah, exactly. You've got to just you know. deal with the loss at a later time you know right now you've got there's more work to be done there's more people to save um so yeah i thought that that was very very nicely done the one the one downside note that i have for sound is the alien spaceship whatever oh i i think that's supposed to be a different kind of bomb so the Hmm. there's there's missiles and then i think the little like I think that's supposed to be like a bomb. Like it's not rocket propelled. So it doesn't leave the trail. Right. Yeah. I didn't care for that. I, I, I kind of felt that whole thing could lift out. That that one's that sound effect is very, um, video gamey. It's, it's video. Ga- it's very Galaga asteroids. you know, space invaders mm-hmm. like that. The flying saucer kind of noise. Um, to be fair, like in, in there, I, I agree with you that that noise is a little bit grating, but one, those things are not on screen nearly as much as the missiles are. So that's nice. And two, they used a loud grating sound effect to draw your attention because visually they are tremendously obscured. They don't, they don't leave a vapor trail and sometimes they damn near blend in with whatever color the background is since the colors rotate. Um, so it serves a really important purpose mechanically. Um, I wish they had made it a tiny bit less grating. I'm with you on that, but the fact that it's grating is at least in service of something as opposed to someone just being like, this noise is grating. Right. Like it's, it's grating on purpose and they could have just maybe dialed the grating down a little bit. Right. Or I mean, like, honestly, you know, removed that mechanic i feel you know um and uh unless oh man that would be a great segue in mechanics you got more stuff for audio uh the only other thing i have for audio is um this game doesn't have any music uh nope they probably could have attempted to put some music in between the near constant exploding sounds but they didn't and i appreciate that correct choice Yes, agreed, especially because, again, the theming of the game, I feel like it, any music that they could have mustered on this hardware would have been antithetical to, I mean, I'm not listening to my iTunes while I'm trying to stop, you know, cities from exploding. Like, it's supposed to be somber. Yeah, yeah and, if, um, and, and if they had done, like, futuristic sci-fi war music, right? Because I guarantee you, if you go and download this game, like, on iOS or on a modern console right now, there's probably futuristic war music right and that's 
not the worst thing, but I actually think the game is is better for not having it. Agreed. So yeah, mechanics. I I think that that um, the bomb mechanic kind of lifts out. I feel that that's kind of one where they said, you know, oh, we've got all of these missiles streaming at you all the time. We gotta we gotta have some some difference in kind, you know, like in Galaga, you know, like you've got the the UFO in you know in all these different games, you've got a different thing that you have to contend with because otherwise you get bored. Um, I don't really think that this game needs that because I think that in the same way that like Tetris doesn't need that, you know, like Tetris is just bricks. It's bricks all the way down. You know, they don't all of a sudden say like, okay, well we've done bricks for a while now. Let's just throw some bombs in there. Some of the Tetris games did that. And most of them are worse for it, you know? Um, so I don't think that, that, that the game really needs that. I think that it's good in its core. So, uh, the, the, the noise is awful. It is difficult to see. And I don't really think that it, uh, it, it plays into the game's core, core mechanics or core aesthetics, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's literally just trying to add more challenge, right? Yep. So it's, I, I, I'm with you that it probably lifts out for someone who's really good at this game. They probably like that challenge because that separates them from lesser players, right? If right. you are, if you're trying to prove that you have the high score at the local arcade on missile command, being able to deftly get the bombs, which leave no vapor trail are harder to see and move considerably faster, right? Like that's, that separates you from the scrubs. So again, like I kind of get it, but I'm, I'm a scrub. So I'd probably be, (laughs) probably be okay if that wasn't in there because I'm struggling enough with the missiles, but it's, I, I always have more respect for a choice that I understand and can empathize with someone who, you know, for a long time, I didn't drink coffee or eat cheesecake, but I didn't look down on people who did. I understand what they got out of it. Right. Whereas, you know, people who eat like garbage fast food, I'm like, why? Like go spend an extra 75 cents and get like a slightly better burger or a slightly better (laughs) sandwich. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. So I I'm with you that the bombs could come out, but I get it. I get it. I get why they're yeah. there. I mean, it's not, it's not world ending, but I think that um, honestly, and this kind of leads to one of my other notes, is that the missiles changing the rate at which they come at you is a decided uh, skill skill building, right? So, you know, in the sense that like the, for two reasons. One is that when the missiles first are coming at you, they are moving at rate A, and when, you know, two or three levels later, they're moving at, you know, 1.1 A and then 1.2 A. So you have to but the thing is that your missiles move at the same speed, right? So that means you now have to lead your target more and more, which that in and of itself is separating because, you know, I didn't really notice that fast enough. So it took me a little bit of time before I was like, oh, wait, my missiles are missing right because they're speeding up. I need to lead the target a little bit more now, a little bit more. So I think that that does kind of a good job of separating out the scrubs, right? Especially because then you really have to get good at because the the hitbox isn't small or unfair. It's very good, very reasonable. But it's not infinite, you know, so... And it fluctuates. Like oh, the, the, the explosion does. What I'm saying is that, like, the explosion hitting the one little dot. Like, oh, that yes. It's, it's, in... it's fairly visually... Act- There's no coyote physics going on to help you out. Right. Yeah, exactly. But but that being said is that, you know, if you fire a missile and it's already... If you fire your missile and it's scre- they, they they cross each other in the sky and mutually assure, assure destruction, right? Um <laughs> Uh, you know, then then you, you kind of have to scramble a bit. So I think that 
that literally I thought was fascinating that just tweaking the missile speed and not tweaking your missile speed made for a huge skill curve that, again, I thought was modulated well, especially in a game where the point is uh, mechanically to get the high score and to eat quarters. And the purpose is thematically that um, all you're doing is buying time and that eventually the if if we are if eventually if in a war of this type death will come for all of us <laughs> and all you can do is buy these people and yourself a little bit more time before the end comes you know like so it's it's good on both things to have a a distinct skill curve because otherwise it i feel like the message of the the horrors of nuclear war and all that sort of stuff would get lost if it was like yeah i'm on level 500 i mean i it's no longer i'm buying people precious minutes to say goodbye to their family i've bought them like 3 years you know cuz i'm yeah, on i, I fired thousands of these missiles i don't actually know in the atari version that we played or in the arcade i assume the arcade version will just loop endlessly right mm-hmm. so it'll get faster to a point and then you probably just play on the fastest speed until you lose right like tetris yeah um i don't know actually if that's true for the atari version or not it's probably the same but again scrub didn't get there right so um but it's a score based game and this is actually so we didn't talk about the hud in uh visuals but i have a way to bring it up now in mechanics um this game has a button like one yes <laughs> right the the atari joystick all you need <laughs> yeah the atari joystick if you've never seen one is what the emoji for joystick on your phone looks like it's a single wow yeah it's a single vertical shaft with like a rubber gasket that you can move in infinity directions which is kind of cool when you think about it um and a and a button one big red button so like you had to hold the joystick with your hand and press the button or you had to mash it down against the table so that you could steer the joystick and then press the button with your other hand, right? Like it's, it's an awkward ass controller. If you built these kind of controls into a giant immovable arcade cabinet, that would be a different thing, but you had to hold this weirdness in your hand. It was weird. It was a weird time. I really appreciate that all of the information that's on the screen is all of the information there is period, right? At the top is a number and that's your score. As you go up in levels, it shows you the level you're on, but then it goes away almost immediately after that. Um, Underneath where your missiles launch out of, there's literally the missiles stockpiled, like they're laying Mm -hmm. there being ready for you to fire them. And then off to the side are your backup crates of missiles. That's it. It's It's all there is. And so you really clearly know okay, I pressed the button and a missile fired and now the stack of black lines uh, is one shorter. And when I press the button again, now the stack of black missiles is two shorter. And when I press the button again, now my missiles are three short. Oh God, I'm running out of missiles, right? Like it's, and and when when my missile hit their missile, the number at the top of the screen went up and video games are a relatively new concept, but I know I like big numbers, right? Like there's there's not a lot going on mechanically in that sense but you're also never really confused about anything like the i really think you could hand this to someone without the manual and if they understand just vaguely that in games you want to score more right and they understand that if you 
have some, you have 10 of something and you throw nine of them away. Now you only have one left. Like they could probably work it out, even if they don't really understand what video games are or how they work or what the story story within the game is like, it, it's a really simple, straightforward this is what you're doing, right? One button, what you have your little aiming reticle and that's it. Yep. And, and I think that that's something that, uh, that, you know, I actually, uh, so, you know, I'm a big, big proponent of lean and, and, and six Sigma and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I actually use video games as an exemplar of good affordance, you know, because, uh, basically, you know, or, or good visual management, right. Is because I, I literally walked into an area of the lab the other day and somebody, uh, I said to somebody, well, we could do a better vi- job visually managing this process. And the person's like, what are you talking about? It's, 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 it's easy. And I said like, okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever played Mario? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, cool. Who trained you on how to play that game? You know? And they're like, well, well, no one. I'm like, right. You just picked up the controller and kind of slowly were able to intuit it. And they're like, yeah, but oh. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. You know? So, I mean, that's the thing is it's who trained you to play Missile Command. This isn't Solitaire where somebody had to sit you down and say, no, you can't put this card on this card. It, again, it's it's so clean and and clearly understandable of what it is that you are trying to do that uh, it doesn't really require any any uh, any incredible explanation. Um, you touched on something though that I think is very important, which is that you have limited ammunition, you know, which does fundamentally again change. It, it is it is a hundred percent on theme to the aesthetic of you know nuclear you, nuclear war, and you only have so many defenses because. But otherwise, it would change the way that you play, right? Because why else wouldn't you fire a bajillion anti-missiles into the air? You know, I mean, like you would just be, you know, ABF, always be firing, you know? Um, And that would take away from it, right? Because now you're not a missile commander who is like trying deftly to manage the resources that you have in order to stop the oncoming apocalypse. You're just button masher, you know, like this isn't this isn't something that's requiring any cognitive load on you to kind of weigh out like, okay, well, you know, so for example, when a missile is screaming towards a city, right? Um, there were a couple of times where I was like, I, I, and again, I just, I made this call like in the split second, but where I was like, I'm not, I had taken two swats at that missile already and I kept missing and it was so close to the city. I'm like, I could maybe fire one more missile at it and maybe I'll get it, but I don't have infinite ammo, you know? So, and I don't think I can catch that missile before it goes to the city. And I got five other missiles that I've got to get my reticle lined up so that way I can actually hit them. Otherwise, I would have just fired missiles and forgotten about it, right? So I let the city go, you know, because that was the call I had to make to save the other five, you know? And, and, the, and so, did you did you have any weird guilt when there was a missile heading toward a city that had already been destroyed? And you were like, I do I do I let it hit it? What it what if there's survivors <laughs> like, like I'm for, for a game. I know there are not survivors in the city, yeah. but every single time, cause it's like, no dude, you got to stop all the missiles. And then once you lose a city or more, you get to the point where you're like, do I, is it okay to let those missiles hit the ruined <laughs> cities? Like, I, I think it's okay. Why am I concerned about this? Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, again, to me shows like just a, a really fantastically well-crafted game where, you know, you're, it, it is it is a game that has a morality system built into it with no mor- <laughs> right, but there's no there's no renegade or 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 paragon right. You know, there's no 
there's no, but there is absolutely a morality system built into it, you know, to where you're just kind of like, okay, well, do you, do you let that city go or do you try your best to save it? Do you, um, do you defend your base so that way you can continue to defend the other cities or it improves your ability to defend the other cities or do you let your base go and then defend this, the, the, the city instead? You know, it, there's, there's, so many different, um, and I may be thinking of the original arcade cabinet where you could actually lose the the missile bases. Yeah, in the in the twenty six hundred, um, I did not experience a a missile launch loss. So if you can, it somehow didn't happen to me. But I think in the arcade cabinet you could. But um, and and that may be what I'm thinking of. But I mean, that's the thing is that you know, uh, the game has a morality system built into it, and to me, I think it's a good one because most games when you gamify a morality system, you just create a new mechanic for the player to play with, right? So it's not actually testing your moral compass or whether or not you're uh, truly uh, uh, willing to do something noble, which would be sacrificing something that you care about for something for someone else, right? There's another game, uh, and this is slightly tangential, but did you ever play Nier Automata? No, I'm... I think I know where you're going because I, I know the twist, but yeah. uh, I, I have not gotten around to it yet. It's it's one of those like, I mean to play this games. Right. And so spoilers, if you haven't played it, I also haven't played it. But, you know, again, the, the, the basically the twist is at the end, you can't beat the big bad. And so the game says, like, you know, would you, um, you know, w- you know, like, like, don't worry, stay, stay in there. And then, you know, you, 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 you fight some more, you still lose. And then a whole bunch of like really supportive messages come up, you know. And then uh, you fight some more, you probably still lose. And then uh, and then all of a sudden, like all of these other ships come in and save you. And then you win. And then at the end of the game, it says, would you like to leave a message for other people who are fighting this thing? And you're like, yeah, you know, like, so all of the messages that you got were real messages from real people telling you to stick with it, right? And then it says, would you like to dedicate your airship to the fight? So all of the airships that came and helped you, those were other people's airships. But the thing is that in order to do that, it permanently deletes your save. That is something that you, the human, have to give up. Something that is actually valuable to you as a person in order to do something good. That's a morality system. You know, like a, a and, and I'm not saying that all morality systems have to be this way, but saying like, if you help the wizard, he'll, you know, he'll give you good points. It's like, well, I need the good points in order to cast force lightning because good Jedi do that. Right. Um, <laughs> no, in order to control people's minds. That's right. Because good Jedi control people's minds. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, but that's they, the thing they force lightning, the mind, not the body. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the thing is that it's, it's just another currency, right? You know? So, I mean, it's, it's not actually a morality system. This in, an art, an Atari twenty six hundred game has one of the most advanced morality systems that we still <laughs> struggle to master today, and that's uh that's impressive. Um, one of the things I noticed that I I also thought was like shockingly ahead of its time is uh the this game has a live system right mm-hmm. um literally like human lives or alien lives I guess <laughs> um no it's but, human lives. So well. Let's get rid of the facade, <laughs> this charade that it was aliens versus aliens, man. This is 1981. This is the coast of California. <laughs> and this is Russia launching nukes at the U.S. Continue. Yeah. yeah no. uh, <laughs> um, but it, it has a diegetic UI. How do you know how many lives you have left? How many lives are left? Like, yeah. like it, literally, how many lives are left? You can see them by looking out of your tower 
how many cities have not been destroyed. And uh, this is, I, I thought this was clever. I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. But I had a weird, um, oh man, they really, really gave me a blank canvas to project my feelings onto moment when, again, I was playing in front of somebody and my last city got destroyed and they said, oh, how come, uh, how come you didn't lose? And I said, well, you gain back a city if you earn enough points. And so I may finish the level with enough points to earn back a city, which also makes kind of a grading high pitch noise. Um, but I was like, so they have to let you finish the level because you might have earned back a city and then you can continue playing. And I did. And I had this kind of flash of like, Oh my God, the points aren't arbitrary points. That's like, resources my society has amassed to rebuild society. So the reason the game doesn't end when your last city is destroyed is because you're not out of the ability for civilization to go on. When you end with no cities and you don't have enough resource points to erect a new city, then you lose because your society can no longer survive. Like civilization is over, right? The Armageddon has come. And I was like, that's, haunting (laughs) this is because not only is is the live system like a live system but you can survive beyond that because the thing that you're fighting to protect is not any individual person you're trying to protect your entire civilization and your entire civilization goes beyond any individual city i was like this is how is this so heavy? <laughs> <laughs> you are not you're not trying to defend humans, you are trying to defend humanity. Yes, excellently put. And so uh no, and, and very very salient point. I, I couldn't agree more. I just I, I really like the point that you make about, you know, like you said, it's it, it and I wouldn't have thought of it this way, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a diegetic UI, so it's just kind of like, oh, how many lives do you have? 6. Oh, you have 6 lives? No, sorry. 60 million lives represented quantized in units of 10 million. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, because yeah, every single time you lose a city, it's just kind of like, oh, well, I, that, that's one, one sixth of how many lives I have, you know? And again, it's, it's, it's human lives. Um, so I, I think that the, the, the one kind of other, you know, kind of throwaway, um, throwaway note that I have. And then the one other point I want to make was, uh, I think it's interesting, as you said, is that the, um, missiles will continue to go after cities that, um, that have already exploded. So to me, I, I translated that into, right, because the thing is, again, this isn't the, the Blork or Florks or whatever, right? <laughs> this is this is a, a, a nuclear launch from another country, right? Which means it happened hours ago, you know? Like, mm, these yeah. aren't missiles that are actively being fired at targets. These are missiles that were fired eight hours ago and have been screaming towards a target and now you're defending against it. Like you are literally the last line of defense. So I was like that that makes sense to me that you know the game isn't, you know, smart targeting cities. Um so uh and 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 so then also too not all missiles are set to hit cities at all. Some of them will just straight up miss from what I was looking from what I noticed is that like some of them looked like they weren't on a trajectory to really hit a city at all. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Some of them can sort of land in between ish. Um, right. And because in the Atari version we played, I don't think your anti-ballistic base can be destroyed. Like you mm-hmm. can just sort of ignore those ones. Like if, if you line it up and you see like, Oh, it's going to hit, me, I can just ignore that and go back to defending the city. So there, there are some like gotchas. 
It's like, oh, oh, do you need to pay attention to that missile at all? Right, which I think is again important from a a game mechanic standpoint, especially when you when you pair that with the the limited amount of ammunition, because it's forcing you to think critically about the missiles that you that you're fighting. You know, so it's the 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 name of the game isn't destroy all of the missiles. The name of the game is preserve the cities. You know, and so again, like because if if every single missile was going to hit a city those two things would be the same. So you'd be like, well, it would be easy to lose sight of what it is that you're trying to do. Where it's like, oh, I'm trying to destroy all the missiles. It's like, no, you're not. You're trying to defend the city. So be careful because if you do just kind of go down that rabbit hole of I have to destroy all the missiles, you will waste ammunition that you do not need to waste. You know? So you you may spend time trying to eradicate a missile that wasn't going to hit a city and in turn, a missile hit a city. You know, so it, it forces you to be thinking critically, not just kind of zoned out and just trying to bash the bright lights, which I thought was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty well done. Well, and something you're making me speculate on, but I'm, I would almost wager money on this, which is in the later levels. Uh, I don't think missiles only move faster. I bet you there are more, which means, oh yeah, there there absolutely are. Yeah. yeah, which means so in the earlier levels, let's say it's a five to one ratio, right? They're going to fire. 10 missiles, but you have 50 anti-ballistic missiles. Mm-hmm. But in the later levels, they're going to fire 49 missiles and you have 50 anti-ballistic missiles. So now not only do you need to be a crack shot, but now you're really thinking like, do I waste four missiles or four anti-ballistic missiles panic trying to defend this one city because I didn't notice that that missile was incoming or do I reserve them because otherwise I may end up where there are missiles coming in and I have no ammunition left at all. Right. Right. And then like that's you, you start to grow resources feel like they're becoming constrained, not because you have fewer anti-ballistic missiles, but because the situation has grown more dire. Absolutely. And and then that leads again, you know, back into like the morality system, right? Whereas if you say like, okay, listen, you know, like I, I can't, you know, I've got three missiles. Let's just say I got three missiles that are all heading towards one city, right? I got to let that city go because I already, you know, like I just, I don't have the resources to defend it or worse. I do have the resources to defend it, but I know that there's going to be 50 missiles, 50, I, I have 50 ABMs and there's going to be 49 missiles. So I, now, now I've just really improved my ratio by just letting that city go. Right. And that entirely sounds like, you know, the, the military coming in and pulling food away from survivors saying we, the military need this food in order to defend you. Right. So, now all of a sudden you're making this again moral choice to let all of these people die so that way you can do a better job saving the other people and it's it's a legitimate decision you know and it feels legitimate it, 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 because you're making it all in this like quick quick knee jerk split second of time you know and again all of that from from whatever 8 bits yeah yeah a couple couple you know? lines and some flashing Yep, can force you to can all of a sudden force you into being like a jackbooted thug saying, you know, like like <laughs> you know, no, man, I need these resources. Like I'm defending you. I'm the hero here. Go hungry, you know? peasant. Exactly. But uh but yeah, you know, so I thought that I thought that that's kind of a like I said a, a good call and again a way to modulate the difficulty curve. So, you know, not only do they like you said do they speed up the missiles, but the fact that the defenses the the number of times you can screw up right? Your failure spectrum becomes way narrower before, um, not before the game over, not before game over, but before the end. Yeah. 
Um, something I wanted to mention about this game that I don't know if I've, if either of us actually have ever brought this up from some of the earlier games we've played on like Nintendo or Game Boy, but, uh, I realized playing this and, and, and we, we had to emulate this game. Um, but it's Atari has released it into the public domain, the original version. So I don't feel bad about that, but no, I don't have an Atari 2600 laying around, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) but uh, you know, when you play Super Mario Brothers on a Nintendo, uh, you you pop it in. It's a cartridge, so it instantly turns on. You're instantly on the start screen. You press start, and like you're in the game, right? Uh, when you play modern games, the console has to boot up. Then there's like the logo. Then the company that produced it. Then the company that developed it. Then Nintendo. Right? There's just like a million. And then like the title screen animation, sometimes you can skip this crap. Sometimes you can't. I think, I think donkey makes fun of that sometimes, you know, where he'll just like, (laughs) he'll he'll like put in extra studios and be like, okay, okay, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, sometimes it's not that bad, but there are times where it's like really obnoxious. The Atari makes the uh, Nintendo look slow. Like (laughs) there's no title screen. There's no nothing. Like if your Atari had power, and this cartridge was in it, the game was like, are you playing press buttons and you will be playing the game? No title screen, no boot up, no nothing, zero crap. No, do you want one player or two player? That was there. You can actually play this game two player on an Atari 2600, but it's all done in hardware. Like you physically change the way the box is set up to make it happen in hardware. So it's like a little toggle switch, I think. Um, and you had to have a second controller plugged in, but like, I just, I was a little blown away by the fact that I was like, Oh, there's no anything except the game. Like this is, this is like in a lot of sci-fi where it's like, Oh, one day I will be a being of pure thought and I'll have no, I'll have no emotions and I'll have no physical body. And it's like, this is a game of pure game. Like there's, there is nothing but the game. It it, it has shed its producers and its developers and has become only game. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's (laughs) something that, uh, probably came over accidentally from the arcade, right? You just walk up to an arcade cabinet, you put a quarter in and bam, playing the game. And whether or not they made that decision on purpose when they ported it to the Atari, I kind of appreciated that all that. Cause I, I played this several shorter play sessions. Like instead of, you know, a few longer ones, it was like a bunch of short play sessions. And just every time I was like, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to, gonna play some missile command it was just like oh i'm I'm playing it already like I, <laughs> I just i thought about playing it and i'm already on like the third level it's like uh you know the camera shows you you know kind of kind of getting up from the table or you know get, sitting down to the table and you're like hmm i should probably play some missile command and then like you know the person next to you looks over and says you are playing missile command and then it just you know cuts back to you and you're like <laughs> currently playing it you know it's it's like the it's like the bender of Oh no, she's right behind me, isn't she? No, I'm right in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I appreciated that because, you know, I I would have liked to have played this on, I would have loved to have played this on arcade cabinet hardware, but the Atari experience ain't bad. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, And so that's actually a good segue unless you have anything else. Uh, No, um, we can definitely talk about how this hold up, uh, which is this hold up good. Um, I, I say no, not only no nostalgia goggles, but I was surprised by how much I enjoyed playing this. Like 
this and and I'm going to be honest. Am, am I going to sit down and play this a little bit every day or every week or even every month? No, I'm not. But I now know with a high level of confidence with the fairly sophisticated game literacy I have as an adult semi-professional game critic. Oh, missile command for the Atari 2600 is actually really fun. 35 years later, <laughs> like yes, that I, I really thought, you know, cause we decided like, Oh, we're going to play a game. That's like super foundational, right? We didn't want to go full pong, but we wanted mm-hmm. something really early, really simplistic. And, and to just like, you know, flex our, our game critique chops against this, like this, you know, primordial soup, you know, game. And, like goddamn like it's fun like <laughs> if this was really legitimately fun i really legitimately enjoyed playing this and i was like i probably would have just dumped quarters into this if i had been you know the right age when this was popular in arcades like this is a good ass game like the atari and like don't i mean maybe screw around with some of the modern versions but like the Atari 2600 version is in the public domain. Just go emulate the Atari 2600 version. It's really fun. Yeah, you could go play it right now. Um, for me, absolutely, this game hold up. This game good. Uh, for all the reasons you said, um, one of the reasons why I really wanted to, to play this as well is, like you said, flex our muscles, see if we can critique this really old game. But to me, I think, and not to uh, to to get too high up on my my soapbox here but to me (laughs) the reason why i think this game is so important is because this to me shows that video games are art you know because with so little that this game had to work with it tells an incredibly strong narrative and and you know like so you know it's like oh well the problem is that you know you need triple a studio money to tell a good story no you don't um, well, you know, you need to have all of these these different, you know, game mechanics and, and all this. No, you don't. You can develop an amazing morality system uh, simply by actually forcing the player to make moral choices. You don't have to make you don't have to gamify or to make it into mechanics. You can just have it exist. Um, so I think that that so not only does the game absolutely hold up, I think it it holds up not only is it fun to play, but it holds up as an exemplar of what games can be and what they um you what 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 kind of roles they can play in our society because honestly uh you know i mean i when when i was playing it and you know a, a city was lost or two cities three cities you know like i've been playing i did my best however their stories are over and the curtain falls the music plays the credits roll then it all fades to black and you're left by yourself the fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less on how you saved the day. Then on all the experience gained. 